All right, let's get into the really strange part. So, summary of Jehoshaphat's reign. We are in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is verse 31. 21 is not going to be a very long chapter. We'll get to that in a moment. But Jehoshaphat ruled as king over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king. And he ruled in Jerusalem for 25 years. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi. Azubah would be an unusual name, but I've baptized stranger baby names in my lifetime. So this is kind of the chronology there. I'm going to look at that a little bit later. He walked in the ways of his father Asa by doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He did not turn from it. Um, so this is the one thing against Jehoshaphat. The high places, however, were not removed. The people still did not set their hearts toward the God of their fathers. So Jehoshaphat worships the Lord, but he doesn't remove those high places, our altars up on hills. You know, was he just naive enough to think that if I'm worshiping God, everybody else will too? Maybe. So he should have torn down all those high places, but he didn't. But that's not really held against him here. It's just a mention that, yeah, he's human. He makes a mistake. But the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat from first to last are recorded in the annals of Jehu, son of Hanani. If you remember, Hanani was a prophet we saw in an earlier chapter, and now his son turns out to be a scribe, which are included in the book of the kings of Israel. This is not the book of kings in our Bible. This is a record that they had that they used for just recording day-to-day -day things. Okay, Who came to visit the king today? What was the king's response? That kind of thing. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, joined with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did wicked things. So another oops. Uh, he doesn't become wicked himself, but he joins in a public act with a, a, a wicked king. He joined with him to build ships to go to Char Tarshish. They built the ships in Ezi and Geber. And my question is, why would you build ships headed for Tarshish at Ezi and Geber? Tarshish is on the coast of Spain. And Ezi and Geber is on the Gulf of Aqaba, which leads into the Red Sea, which dumps into the Indian Ocean. So it's a little bit like saying, I want to go to Japan. And so if I could build boats in San Francisco or New York, I'm going to pick New York. You know, that's, and there, and there are, by the way, there are no canals. So that's, that's the, the strange thing about this decision. Uh, let's just take a look at what it would actually look like. So there's Easy and Geber. He wants to go to Tarshish. And that means he's going to have to do this with his ships. Oh, and by the way, the Cape of Good Hope. which is where a lot of shipwrecks happen. And why did they call it Good Hope? So that people would be dumb enough to try to go through it and not panic. But they lost a lot of ships. And then they continued the trip all the way up. Did they not know how big Africa is? And then they get to Tarshish. But then they get to Tarshish. It's probably been two years. And then they have to go back again? Why not just build them at Joppa if the king owns Joppa? It's on the Mediterranean. It's just a weird thing but that's it's a valid question though could they have maybe built them and then you know transported them or whatever but uh, they had shipyards at joppa it was a good harbor and um 
Uh, that, that's after all, not long after this, the prophet Jonah gets in a, t- a ship bound for Tarshish in Joppa. And, and, and of course, does he make it? Well, the ship might, but Jonah didn't, right? Yeah, he, got, he had to get swallowed by a, a, a fish that puked him out later on, but uh, uh, pardon my... We're almost there. Give me about two more verses, Harry. Yeah. So uh, it also could be that the ships, which in our, in our translations say going to Tarshish, could simply be ships of Tarshish, which would mean ships that are seaworthy, you know, ocean-going ships. So, and it, it's maybe a little bit more likely that he just wanted to be like Solomon and go down into the Arabian Peninsula or maybe the Horn of Africa. Remember what Solomon got from those trips? He got ivory and baboons and gold and stuff like that. And maybe that's what he wanted. But the text says Tarshish and mentions the coast of Spain by name. So it's a little bit odd. Tarshish, by the way, in the Bible is the farthest west you can go. So coast of Spain, it's on the Atlantic Ocean. And there is a verse in Isaiah um, it's marked in my Bible in my office, but I, I forget what it is, where they mention the people of sin. That's as far east as you can go. Who are the people of sin? Chinese. Yeah. So that's, that's the far, and also the farthest north mentioned in the Bible that I know of is where we get the, the prophets, some of the minor prophets mention, um, uh, what do they call them? But they're basically, it's basically the steppes of Russia. Um, there's a name for those folks. And then you get down here uh, to uh, places like uh, 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 Sheba, I guess, um, which would be about halfway, not even halfway down Africa. But that's kind of the north, south, east, and west of their worldview at this time. Um, Solomon had islands where he did build ships. Uh, this one... Uh, the fortress of Solomon is, uh, that thing up on top is not built by Solomon. That's a crusader fortress built against Saladin back in the thousands AD. Um, but there's another island not very far by that's called uh, Pharaoh's Island. Um, that was a, a shipbuilding island in, the, in this part of, uh, this is just off the coast of Easy and Geber. This photograph is from the 1890s, I think. Um, you see two Arabs there in the foreground. Um, so, however, another prophet comes, Eliezer, son of Dodavohu from Merisha, who prophesied against Jehoshaphat, because you joined with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed what you made. The ships were wrecked, and so they were not able to go to Tarshish. So that's what you were thinking of, Harry. That's exactly what happens. So his navy is wrecked, um, and Israel never again uh, reaches this kind of, of heights with, with its own navy, basically. Solomon had done it and it got down as far here as Jehoshaphat in the 800s, but that was it. They never regained that kind of abilities. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like they got out of Easy and Geber, like right up there at the harbor, that they were, they were wrecked um, in that area somewhere. They may, it may be that they, that they came down, but the thing is, the whole thing was wrecked. And therefore, I'm led to believe that it was the harbor and not just one fleet or, or one convoy, but the whole kit and caboodle 
uh, before they ever got going. Chapter 21. Oh, now, okay. As wonderful as Jehoshaphat was, Jehoram is uh, not. Um, he is, you may want to use mouthwash after the class. Certainly wash your hands. This, is a, this guy is gross and he is horrifying. And he's Jehoshaphat's son. So Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His son Jehoram ruled in his place. So uh, uh, typical of kingly deaths and burials in that time, they'll, they'll comment on a good king, he rested with his fathers. Sometimes even a wicked king, they'll say he rested with his fathers. But then buried with his fathers in the city of David, Jehoshaphat got to be in the, in the royal tombs. It was also a custom in those days for the people to grieve at night with a bonfire. So they'd build a big fire and then they would keep them warm and, and also that much light would make it kind of safe from you know, like pickpockets and ne'er-do-wells and so forth. Um, uh, but they, they would have a big bonfire and, and they missed Jehoshaphat. He's a, a king worth, you know, worth, worth, worth grieving and mourning over. But Jehoram had brothers who were the sons of Jehoshaphat. They were Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, Azariahu, Michael, or Mikael, and Shephatiah. Notice two of the sons have just about the same name, Azariah and Azariahu. Why would you give two of your sons the same name? You know, unless you're George Foreman. Their father gave them many gifts. So Jehoshaphat does what Solomon had done. David had not done this. David made the mistake of not giving his sons anything to do. Solomon learned from that. And Solomon spreads his sons out around the kingdom, makes them basically princes in, in fortified cities. They have something to do. You can be governor of this city. You can be governor of that city. Jehoshaphat does the same thing. He spreads out his sons, makes them governors, and one of them, happens to be the oldest, is going to be the, the next king. Um, so, he gave them many gifts, silver, gold, valuable possessions, as well as fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingship to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. What would be the gospel lesson to read with this if this actually were an Old Testament Sunday text? What about the parable where the king starts handing out cities? You know, you've done well with your minna, now take charge of five cities, that kind of thing. It just reminds me of it all the time. And, and uh, although this is just, the, the story is so horrifying that, I mean, maybe I'll do it someday, but probably not. This is a, this is a tough one. So Jehoram's going to be king. Then dad dies. Evidently, Jehoram and his father Jehoshaphat reigned together for a few years. He was, he was sort of on the throne with dad and learning, you know, learning everything along with dad. And then this happens. Jehoshaphat dies. Jehoram ascended to the throne of his father and strengthened his position. Then he killed all his brothers with a sword and also killed some of the officials of Israel. Had this happened before? Can you think of who did it before Jehoram? It was one of the judges. Uh, so in, in the book of Judges, we have 13 judges. 12, uh, and, and then one of uh, the, the 13th is the son of one of the 12. But the 12 seem to be from each of the 12 tribes. 
There's even a pattern to how they're described in the book of Judges. It's a fascinating study of the, of the, of the, the, the way the book of Judges is constructed uh, by the author. It's just, it's just amazing. But the one, one of the great judges, Gideon, has a terrible son named Abimelech, and, which means my dad is king. That's what Abimelech, it's maybe a title he took for himself. When Abimelech, after Gideon dies, Abimelech seizes power as if he's going to be king, not judge. And he puts all 70 of his brothers to death on the same stone. Uh, I think it's called the Stone of Oreb. And it's just a hideous, murderous, bloody act. And eventually he is, he is overthrown and killed and so forth. Just a just, just terrible murder. Um, and that's what Jehoram does here. He kills his brothers. He only had six, but he kills them all. Or is it five? Um, and some of the officials of Israel, probably because they protested. You know. And then Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king. And he ruled as king in Jerusalem for eight years. So a couple years with dad. The eight here, though, if the chronology works out, the eight we're talking about here are not the full eight, but just the eight he was on the throne without dad. And that, that's not really relevant, but I thought I would just mention it. Okay. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done, because the daughter of Ahab was his wife. So he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, that's maybe, I mean, that's certainly part of the influence of why he was such a terrible man. He wasn't really a man of, the, of Judah. His mother was from the house of Ahab. Remember Ahab and Jezebel? And she was just a chip off the old block and blockette and uh, just, a, just a, a wicked woman. And he acts wickedly as well. I mean, you can almost hear her whispering in his ear you know, about the brothers. You know, you're not safe on your throne. So, but the Lord was not, oh, verse seven. But the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David because of the covenant he had made with David when he promised him and his sons that he would keep a light shining for all time. It's as if the author knew our question. Why would God let a guy like this on the throne? And, and what does he do about it? And the answer is, well, he's not on the throne very long. God punished him. God warned him. Um, and he warned him even with a letter from the guy who is really evidently missing from the book of Chronicles, who is all over the book of Kings. And we haven't heard from him at all in Chronicles yet. Elijah. Prophet Elijah, um, he's only mentioned in four verses of Chronicles, and we're about to read them all in a row, um, this guy. So in Jehoram's day, Edom revolted from the... Oh, before we get there, though. Um, when I was a kid, uh, TV only had three or four channels, okay? And my dad had a, bought us a big TV. It was black and white, but it was a pretty big TV, like a 19-inch TV, which today, you know, kids would laugh at, you know, my dad is an 87-inch TV or whatever. But, yeah, okay. Um, but in those days at night, they would show movies or on Saturday afternoons, and they didn't have the best copies always. And I, I, I grew up near Madison, Wisconsin, and not always the best co <clears throat> copy of a movie. I remember 
Once in a while you're watching a Western or something and they would throw up a card in the, before a commercial scene missing. You're like, oh, come on, you know. And I wish I had made one. That's what belongs here after, after verse 9. Because the author of the text purposely just leaves, he builds up this big exciting thing and then just moves on. So, in Jehoram's days, Edom revolted from Judah's control and set up a king for themselves. Here we're back to Edom. So Jehoram crossed over to Edom with his commanders and with all the chariots. He got up at night and attacked the Edomites who had surrounded him and his chariot officers. So the king is there, right? The, the scene is painted. They've circled the chariots. You know, the, the, the arrows are flying and everything. And what happens? Edom has successfully revolted from the control of Judah to this day. Libna also revolted from his control at that time because he had forsaken the Lord, the God of his fathers. So what happened back there? I don't know. Um, the king survived, I know that much. But did all of his chariot commanders survive? Maybe not. So there's, just, there's, there's this battle, it's very exciting, and they did not win. Jehoram also made high play. Okay, his father Jehoshaphat had, had not destroyed the high places. Now what does his son do? Jehoram also made high places in the hill country of Judah and caused those living in Jerusalem to prostitute themselves. He caused Judah to go to stray. Here the word caused could be translated forced. Um, Hebrew has seven verbal stems. So you take a single word like katal, which means to kill. It's, a, it's the paradigm verb I learned Hebrew with. And you have uh, an active, a passive, an intensive, an intensive passive, a causative, a causative passive, and a reciprocal. So katal, kill, niktal, to be killed. Uh, then kitail, to slaughter, which is what you do when you kill an animal, by the way, for sacrifice. Uh, or then you have katul, to be slaughtered, which is what happens to the animal when it gets sacrificed. Then you have hiktil, to cause to kill, which is what we have going on, that, that kind of stem here. Or there's a passive of that, hoktul, which is to be caused to kill. And then there's hitkatel, which means, Aaron? To kill yourself. Very good. Yeah, so uh, uh, here you have this causative stem. Uh, he forced people uh, to prostitute themselves. He forced Judah to go astray. Can parents force their children to fall away from God today? Oh, it's pretty easy. Don't take them to church, complain about church, disagree with doctrine all the time, and just basically be opposed to everything that your parents taught you. And what are you going to spawn? A little brood of unbelievers. How many generations does it take? One. Mine. This one. The crisis is always my generation, my household, this next Sunday. That's always the crisis of faith in my family. What will happen this Sunday? Or... In our case, because it's Advent, tomorrow with our, with our Wednesday services. That's the crisis. 
A letter came to him from Elijah the prophet, which said, wouldn't it be cool to have a copy of this letter? Well, remember who it was sent to? Do you think it survived? I think if it were clay, it got shattered. I think if it were papyrus or, or, or vellum or something, it got burned. I don't, I'm sure it got used for wallpaper. But uh, yeah, it doesn't survive. But we have this in scripture. This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says. Because you have not walked in the ways of your father Jehoshaphat and in the ways of Asa, king of Judah, but you have walked in the way of the kings of Israel and have caused Judah and the residents of Jerusalem to prostitute themselves as the house of Ahab led Israel to prostitute themselves. And because you have killed your own brothers from your father's household who were better than you, Love that phrase. That's Elijah's assessment of King Jehoram. Your brothers were better than you. The Lord is going to strike a severe blow against your people, your children, your wives. Your people are going to die. Your children and your wives are going to get carried off into exile. Your possessions are going to get taken away. You yourself will have great pain from a disease of your intestines. Until your intestines fall out, because the disease is going to last so long. Yeah, we don't preach on this uh, very often from the pulpit. Uh, that is not a Sunday school lesson, yeah. I, my question is, where was Elijah at this time? Well, the when is pretty easy to figure out, because as you turn the page from 1 Kings to 2 Kings, we're at this moment in time. When Jehoram has just become king, he has just begun to reign. The other guy, Ahaziah, is the king up north. There's a little thing about Ahaziah at the beginning of 2 Kings. And then Elijah is taken up into heaven. So we're, this, this letter is sent by Elijah as you're turning the page from first. It's almost as if it were the bookmark and it fly, falls out of your Bible. That's, what, that's where this letter falls between 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And where was he uh, uh, geographically? Uh, Elijah was a prophet in the north, especially around Samaria and Mount Carmel, of course, where the big battle, the showdown against the prophets of Baal happened. But now he's at Bethel. Uh, that's where he's going at the beginning of 2 Kings chapter 2, when he's going to go and be taken by fiery chariot up into heaven. He had Elisha go from the school of the prophets, the seminary at Bethel, to the school of the prophets, the seminary at Jericho. He rolls up his cloak and slaps like you used to do when you were naughty in high school in the gym, in the, in the locker room. You'd flip up your towel. You're really smiling about this. And you'd flick people. He does it to the Jordan River. And for the third and fourth time, a body of water parts in the Bible. So the first one was the Red Sea, Two million Israelites walked through. The second time was when the Israelites crossed into the promised land from Moab into Canaan. They crossed from Jericho. The, the, the Jordan rolls back and they're out, they cross on dry land. The third and fourth times are here. Elijah and Elisha get to the Jordan. He, 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 he touches it with his cloak and it parts and they walk across on dry ground. Elisha's taken up into heaven and or Elijah's taken up into heaven and Elisha does it again when he comes back across the river for the fourth time. So that's where they are um, and that's when this happens. 
And now what happens? The Lord stirred up against Jehoram the hostility of the Philistines and the Arabs who were next to the Cushites. So from what compass point are these enemies coming? This is the southwest. Yeah, down from Egypt, basically. They came up against Judah, successfully invaded it, and carried away all the possessions found at the king's palace, as well as his sons and his wives, exactly as Elijah had prophesied. None of his sons were left except Jehoahaz, the youngest. They leave behind a kid, and the kid's going to end up being the next king. After all this, the Lord struck Jehoram with an incurable disease in his intestines. Forgive me, I didn't look up what this might be. I, didn't, I really didn't want to know. Some things I just don't want to know. He suffered day after day until the end of the second year. So it was a two-year. You know, in, the, the thing about your intestines is, what do you have to do to stay alive? You got to eat and drink. And so you have to use your intestines and this pain. Um, until the end of the second year when his intestines fell out because of his disease. So um, there it is. You can't put him back. You know, um, he died in great pain. His people did not make a bonfire for him like the fires for his fathers. He was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned as king in Jerusalem for eight years. He departed without anyone regretting it. What an epitaph. Not going to miss him. He was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. So that's the judgment here at the end of Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat. I have, a, I have a typo here, I'm sorry. but So no customary bonfire, no royal burial, no regret, regrets from that should be anyone. So nobody was sorry to see him go. For those who are watching the video who would like to pause this screen, I've got a, a little uh, chronology here, but I'm going to move past it for the class that's here. I'm sorry. But I want to go back to this wonderful verse 7. Why did this happen? What, would, what did God have in mind? Well, the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David. In fact, um, Jameis, I'm going to come up and read this into my microphone. Would you read verse 7 for us? Go ahead. But the Lord was not willing to destroy the house of David because of the covenant he had made with David when he promised him and his sons that he would keep a light shining for all time. Sometimes the Lord works despite us. Yeah, Thank you very much for that. Um, our, I'm sorry that our time has run out. I wanted to make some applications. Um, I have to try to remember that in the future to, 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 to set aside more time. Uh, but there is one thing I want to share with you, and that is beginning Mondays in January um, at school. I think the first Monday of January we don't have school. And then after that, uh, I'm going to begin a, a new Bible class at our at St. Paul's School at 2 o'clock on Mondays. Um, I will, I'll, I'll meet in the conference room, which is near the elevator. This is intended for like moms and grandmas and grandpas who are coming to pick up their kids at school. The idea is that I'll finish the class on time. And then they can go and get their kids or grandchildren. Um, um, I'm not going to forbid anybody from coming, but that's who it's really intended for. And the staff didn't want me to go preparing another Bible class every week um, because of the time invested. But what I'm, I'm proposing doing is using uh, classes I've used here from a few years ago 
and I'll recycle them. Um, and uh, so we'll uh, progress that way. But this class will continue um, in the future. We're going to, after Chronicles, in January, we're going to take up, I think, the Gospel of Matthew. And then my intention after that is to do a series, if you have the stamina, I would like to go through, in order, every psalm. So that'll be down the road after we get through Matthew. That would be like every, every half hour we would do one or maybe two psalms and go through the psalms that way. Um, so let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. God bless you. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.